And uh, as it was last time, long-time listener to our nonsense, Hugo uh, Mathieu, 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 how do you pronounce it properly, it's Hugo? Mathieu. And is it Hugo or Hugo? No, Hugo's good. Please don't do the other one. Hugo Mathieu. I have to do that for my Latin American listeners, <laughs> uh, Hugo Chavez. There you go. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, where are you coming to us from, Hugo? Uh, I'm from uh, Quebec City, Canada, so somewhere in the uh, Great White North, uh, the actually oldest city in North America, founded in 1608. So a great part of the world, kind of uh, very similar to Australia, actually, uh, but we don't have the sunshine. Well, we're uh, kind of the backwaters of the Western of the Western civilization, Western world, ah, right. uh, ancient British colony. But we have a bit of a mix, which uh, with the French heritage that uh, you don't have in Australia. Yeah, and the Americans uh, nearly tried to invade you and take you over at one point, didn't they? But failed. Uh, yes, which was uh, one of the things that saved us was our, our very harsh winter. They were uh, trapped in the city. Uh, where I grew up in Quebec City was in the old part of the city where the Americans were. And uh, there was a whole bunch of plaques down there that talk about the fact that the citizens pretty much barricaded them in the city squares and they died of frost. Never try to invade Russia in the winter. Never try to invade Canada in the winter. It's a, two rules of warfare. Exactly. So uh, show people your shirt. Very nice. There you go. Don't make me pull a sulla. The old, uh, unfortunately, the artist who did that for us died several years ago. But that was one of the wow. first, if not, uh, actually, hold on. I uh, can't remember which artist That's unfortunate. did that for us. Uh, one of the artists who did stuff for the Life of Caesar show back in the early days passed away, sadly, a couple of years ago. So you've come on to tell me why I'm wrong about democracy. Last time I was wrong on China, now I'm just wrong on democracy. Uh, can't get it right. Why don't I hand it over to you and you can start by telling me how I'm wrong on democracy. What am I wrong about? Yeah, so as I guess the prosecution in this case, you being the defense, will get the, the second go at the at the can. Um, so basically, it's, it's fun that we're having this conversation because we had our friend Joe Biden, the Ukraine Joe, uh, gave a very interesting address on Memorial Day uh, last week. Unfortunately, we missed each other. Um, you thought it was going to be on Wednesday and I thought it was going to be on the 8th of June. We got our dates mixed up. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Funny how that works. Um, so the point, my point is that, um, there's a rebranding by our great friends, Barry and Stan of the concept of democracy in the Western world, which happened somewhere in the mid 19th century, 
where the concept of democracy went from the basic concept, which is a form of government, to an idea, okay? And the idea then sprang what you refer to in a lot of the bullshit filter episodes. I'm going to look at my notes here as liberal democracies, representative democracies, Republican democracies, parliamentary democracies. So those are all things that are, are systems of government which refer to democracy as an idea and not its factual definition, which is a system of government. So ultimately, that is my point. So I'm saying you're wrong on democracy in the sense that the mainstream use of the word democracy is actually a factual inaccuracy, and it's based around an idea uh, used to mobilize populations in the, 18th, the 19th century and afterwards following the world wars. That's the gist of it. Clara, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but in our email exchanges about this over the years, um, you have told me that we don't have a democracy. Canada, the United States, Australia, Britain, UK, we don't have a democracy. Am I correct in right. thinking that's your position? Yes. So would you like us to start with us and the British Commonwealth, which might be easier because I guess that we have very similar political regimes? Well, yeah, but before we get into that, just clarify this point for me. So just to be clear, you're saying that we don't have a democracy, but we do have a system of government. So you're going to explain to me why our system of government is not a democracy. Is that right? So Canada's system of government as Australia are constitutional monarchies, okay, which is an aristocratic deviation on the principle of tyranny. And the United States is a republic, as it's stated in its constitution, a republic which is, as you know from the Caesar show, which is where I uh, met you guys back at episode seven, uh, the, the a republic is an oligarchy. So neither of those state forms of government are a democracy. Okay. I would argue that they're both forms of democracy. So let's uh, – can we – break that apart at some stage during this? How are they not forms of democracy? We can do it whenever you want. Okay, well, let's well, start there. The basic the basic principle of a democracy, so now I'm going to have to go back to the olden times, and you're going to have to excuse me, but this is going to be in French because I did all my university in French, so my law degree and my political science degree in French. Um, but our great friend, you must know him, Plato, uh, had his mouthpiece Socrates explain to, uh, I forget the name of his interlocutor in the Republic, but Socrates was explaining to his buddy that there are ultimately four types of government, which are real in reality three. So there's uh, an oligarchy of honor, right, which is kind of the warrior caste, which is the same thing as an oligarchy of money or, or, or an aristocracy. There's the noble tyranny, and then there's democracy, okay? Democracy being the worst form of government because it is the government of the poor, the government of the rabble, the government of the many. So here is what Socrates, or Plato, says about democracy. Eh bien, à mon avis, la démocratie apparaît lorsque les pauvres, ayant remporté la victoire sur les riches, massacrent les uns, bannissent les autres et partagent également avec ceux qui restent le gouvernement et les charges publiques. Et le plus souvent, ces charges sont tirées au sort. Now, what Plato is telling us is that a democracy is when the poor pretty much kill the rich and possibly banish 
other types of opposition. And they share amongst themselves public offices, okay? Usually chosen by lots, okay? So that's the basic understanding in our political zeitgeist, I would say, of what a democracy is. Now, we know that in the Western world, we take our political history straight from ancient Greece, even though Greece is not in the West. We still say that we have our, our history starts with ancient Greece. So the Greece, uh, the Greeks, sorry, uh, as I stated earlier, lined up three types of government. So the tyranny, which is the rule of one. We have the oligarchy, which is the rule of the few. And then the democracy, as Plato just explained to us, is the rule of the many. Okay. Now, what does that really mean, the rule? When you look and you talk about often on the bullshit filter about epistemology. So what does actually the rule mean? When you look at the sense of the word democracy, it's demos, which is people and kratos, which is power. But what does the power mean? What, what, what are we referring to when we say power? That's a very, you know, arbitrary or wide word. So what it really means in political science and politics is sovereignty. Okay, now sovereignty is the power by a state or of a state to decide the rules of the game within its borders to the point where it can even decide what its borders are. Okay, so sovereignty is the fundamental power. So when we talk about democracy, we talk about the people wielding state sovereignty. Okay, now when we talk about people wielding state sovereignty, there's no mention of an intermediary. Okay. So at this point, there's no, there's no reference to representation, okay? Now, if you, we know that the Greeks were, um, uh, how could I say this? They had a, a very particular culture in the sense that their citizenry was defined legally as landowning males of 18 years to, I think it was 45 or something. Anyways, it would, it would vary. So they had a lot more slaves. Women were excluded. Okay, but the idea, the basic idea of their democracy the good was that basically is what you're saying. I I don't know for who, but uh, I guess for some people, uh, maybe for our friend uh, Donald. So ultimately, <laughs> what you had was a deliberative assembly, where the people who wielded the sovereignty could come and discuss, debate, arrive to consensus or vote. Or choose how they would uh, they would make decisions for the state, go to war, blah 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 blah. And if you know from the from history, as I'm sure you do, a lot of these people had jobs that were chosen by lots. They did not decide to go and be governor of such and such province. It was it was just it was completely random. So the idea was to wield sovereignty. So if you're going to wield sovereignty, and this is what my friend. Paul Leroy explains in this little book, which we were given in Poli Sci first year, which is Political Regimes of the Contemporary World. And I'm going to read in French and then translate. Le pouvoir constituant par sa prééminence est évidemment expression de la souveraineté de l'État. Son titulaire varie donc selon les lieux et le temps. Le détient celui qui voit reconnaître la souveraineté. En régime monarchique, le monarque. En régime démocratique, le peuple. So if you go and look at the Canadian Constitution, okay, which I unfortunately have had to do as a lawyer, you'll notice that in the British North America Act of 1867, the queen has the executive power. The state is vested in the queen. Now, technically, that means that sovereignty is also vested in the queen. Now, not only technically, but it's clearly stated. Meaning that the monarch is the one using the sovereignty. If the monarch uses the sovereignty, the people can't wield it, right? 
you can't have two people wielding the same sword. So if the monarch is wielding the sword, the people aren't wielding the sword, ipso facto, you don't have a democracy. Now, it's not a very complicated argument, and it's actually extremely factual. The problem with democracy, and it's, and it's addressed, I mean, Joe Biden talks about it, is that to, in today's world, dem a democracy means more than a system of government. It's a question of lifestyle, okay? Now, you and I believe that we're free men. Okay, we believe that we're free to do what we want. Now you're going to say, well, free will doesn't exist because of three illusions and so on and so forth. But outside of that debate, let's not hit that rabbit hole. The idea is that we believe that we're free men. So if we're told that we're not free, if we're told that we don't actually wield the power of our state or participate in that power, how are you going to feel? Yes, look, if we're told we don't have power and, uh, you know, I, I would agree that we uh, in all of these Western democratic countries don't have a lot of power. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, our system is engineered by, uh, I would say, an oligarchy that, that drives most of the meaningful uh, laws and the direction of the country. And people would get upset if they realised that. There's a huge amount of money spent on propaganda a lot of effort goes into the propaganda every year to uh, convince us that we that our vote does matter and that we actually do have a say and that there's some control going on. Um, so I agree with you in part that people would get very upset if they felt like, well, to a degree, if they felt like they didn't have power or at least some say in what is going on at a meaningful level. I guess it would be referred to as agency, right? But the problem with that is that it, it creates a kind of schizophrenic reaction to democracy. In that now, uh, as a, a, a quasi-trained attorney, uh, I went over and listened to the old Bullshit Filter episodes because obviously I like the show. And also I wanted to see where you were going because obviously you, you, you've talked about a lot of subjects which in involve... Uh, also in the Cold War, you know, from closer from far, the concept of democracy. And uh, there was an episode a while back where you talked about a Christopher, Christopher Hedges uh, article where he uh, was talking about our democracy is a sham, right? Now, on bullshit, uh, the Bullshit Filter of the News episode 19, you said we don't have a democracy. Um, now, in Bullshit Filter 50, you said that uh, the only policy that becomes bills are the ones supported by the elite, which is something that you just said again now. Now, if the elite drives the system, wouldn't it make more sense, and I'm speaking as if I was them, wouldn't it make more sense for me as the elite to forego democracy, sit set up your an oligarchy? Sit, sit back from your mic a little bit, you're getting... Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so, getting too excitable. Yeah. <laughs> Very passionate about this subject. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm if I'm the elite, okay, and I control the system, I drive the system. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense for me to just set up an oligarchy and spend money on propaganda about a democracy than sure. spend time sending uh, setting up democracies and then having to fight within those democracies against the people to push my agenda. Sure. So that's why I mean a, a schizophrenic reaction in the sense that the outcomes that we live, okay, and we can look at elections afterwards because the math also doesn't add up, 
Okay. But regardless, the point is that the outcomes of what we want, when you look at the polling data, people want, I don't know, more taxes on the rich or something done about climate change or so on and so forth. You see that the public opinion is there. So the will of the people is there technically. Mm. Okay. Mm. But these things don't get done. But if mm. we had a democracy, it would mean that we would have a, deliber a deliberative space or so space where we can discuss, where we could bring about these subjects. What we have in Australia and Canada are parliaments, okay, which are monarchical institutions. They include the king or the queen in our case, okay. They were founded by the kings, mm. and but in they the, were used. In the modern yep. history of nope. Canada, uh, how many times has the monarch? Um, played a significant role in determining the political outcomes of the country. Well, that depends what you can, what you qualify as as intervening. First of all, the monarch is the one that can call the election, so that already has an outcome. Uh, the prime minister has to go and see what we have as a governor general, so it's the representative of the queen in Canada, hmm. uh, or the monarch, whoever the, whoever it is, a woman or or man. Uh, and that person then has the power to prorogue the parliament, right? Mm. Which I would imagine is probably the same but thing in Australia. It is. No, but, but wait a second. Wait a second. Mm. Wait a second. Now, mm. that ability influences the results because obviously the prime minister is going to go see the governor general at a period in time where he expects to win, right? Mm. Mm. So the governor general participates with the prime minister in assuring or attempting to assure a positive outcome to the elections, okay? And that's without the fact that we're not talking about the fact that elections are not democratic, okay? Let's put that aside for a second and let's mm. focus on the fact as if they were, okay? Mm. That's the first thing. Second of all, as you know, and it's, you've talked about it a lot in Australia because I think you have um, far, uh, far weaker parties than we do in Canada. At least we have the Liberal Party uh, of Canada, of which I was a member for... 16 or 18 years, I ran in uh, in an election, uh, an a, internal election. Is that election. a conservative party there like it is here? No, it's a center, centrist, center-right type party. So it's not as conservative. We have a conservative party, which is more of the right, I guess. And wow. then we have the new Democratic Party, which is the funniest thing ever, which is supposed to be a leftist party. Right. But the Liberal Party has been the governing party of Canada for... I don't know, 100 of the 150 years of confederation, let's say. Right. Your so current government is Liberal Party? Liberal under Justin Trudeau in a minority. Right. Now, the governor general could step in and ask the minority, the other parties to form a coalition government, right? Now, that would mm -hmm. not affect the outcomes of a, an election necessarily per se, but it's part of their powers. Mm -hmm. So this is something that the governor general can do. Now, what we have in Canada, which is typically British, is constitutional conventions, so they're not laws, nothing's written down, that prescribe the governor general from doing this because they'd done it in the past and it was badly received by the political class. Right. So getting back to my earlier question, uh, how many times has the governor general in the history of Canada um, used his or her power that devolves from being the representative of the monarch to significantly alter the political outcomes of the country? As I stated, every time they call an election. 
Is that really a significant, um, you know, uh, outcome though? The prime minister is going to decide when they want to have the election anyway. They agree to it. They don't really put up a stink and say yes, you can. No, you can't. At least here, they just they just confirm the government's uh, decision to hold an election. Actually, one- we had a cons. Sorry, there's one instance that I know of in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's very, very famous. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. I've talked about it from time to time on different shows. Um, when our government in 1975, uh, the Gough Whitlam government, probably the most revolutionary mm-hmm. government we've ever had, uh, a lot of the 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 um, a lot of the best things about Australia that most Australians would agree with that we have today or that we've had in my lifetime came as a result of Gough Whitlam's uh, government in the early 70s. Uh, was it was like the first quasi left government that we'd had in decades, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the governor general famously collaborated with the opposition at the time to collapse parliament, uh, vote of no confidence for the prime minister's government because he couldn't get a budget passed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was very traumatic for Australia. Still gets talked about today. Still conspiracy theories that the CIA were involved in making it happen mm-hmm. because Goff was being tough on the Americans. Um, so there's that one instance uh, that's the only one that I'm aware of in Australia that's really had a significant political outcome. I guess my point is that Whilst I agree with you and I'm disgusted by the fact that we are still living in a constitutional monarchy, most people in Australia uh, would argue that uh, it really has no impact on the day-to-day running of the country. And I I would argue the same is probably true in Canada. Okay, so it has no impact, but every MP that is sworn in, so Member of Parliament, every MP that's sworn in this country has to uh, pledge allegiance to to the Queen. I, as a lawyer being called to the bar in 2013, had to uh, plead my loyalty to the Queen, and I had to uh, swear to uphold the establishment and the uh, monarchical system. So obviously, it does have an impact on my life. I am legally sworn not to be a rebel, okay, as are every member of parliament, which means that technically, I cannot, I cannot sit in parliament if I'm not loyal to the Queen. But if Fundamentally, you weren't... But if you weren't swearing loyalty no, to the why, queen, why? you'd be swearing loyalty to to the, the people, the which would make sense. No, no, it would be to the people in a democracy. That was what you would do. You would swear. You would swear fealty to the people. That would make sense. That's what you're there for. Right. They're the ones wielding the power. So what you see with this idea of democracy is kind of, and you've touched on it, which is great that you brought up the fact of the nation. Because that's part of one of the mystiques of representation that was created in the French Republic, and excuse me, sorry, the French Revolution, is this idea that the nation is embodied by the politicians, okay? The politicians embody the nation. Robespierre, Saint-Just, they all said it was a fiction, that they were speaking for the people, but it was oratory fiction. It was a way to captivate the masses. It was a way to mobilize them in the revolution. But they knew that they were elitist pricks. They were all lawyers, notaries, uh, obviously lawyers, good people, but whatever. But um, that being said, I want to make you laugh. They, were the, they, were, the, they so, were the bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie exactly. who were just taking power from the exactly, market, basically. Yeah. Which is what our buddies in the States did, which is the same thing that happened in Canada, which is the same thing that happened in Australia. And ultimately, it's the same thing that happened during the Glorious Revolution in England when Charles well, got his head cut off. Didn't happen here. We never had a revolution. 
No, but in the sense that it's a, we didn't in Canada have a revolution either. But what happened was the bourgeoisie just took control of our government when we gained our independence. Hmm. Well, the bourgeoisie were in control before that. They were in control after that. It's always been the bourgeoisie that have been more or less in control of determining the course of events, right? Yeah, what I meant is the local in the sense that when you were part of the British Empire, your local bourgeoisie had less impact on the running of your state than did the British bourgeoisie. It was in that sense. But we are, we're saying pretty much the same thing. So ultimately, if you live in a bourgeois system, it's inevitably an elitist system because the bourgeoisie, very much like the aristocrats before them, are fearful of the tyranny of the majority, which is what the founding fathers in the United States were afraid of, which is why they didn't want anything to do with the democracy. They were all anti-democratic. The founding fathers of Canada were all the same. They were all anti-democratic. They wanted nothing to do with the democracy. Why? Because it's the rule of the rabble. Fuck mm. them. We're educated. We're smart. We're wealthy. We're better than them. So we will rule. Yeah, it's the it's it's very similar to the concept that you find in uh, uh, Marxist Leninist countries of the vanguard, right? It's the rule of the vanguard, where mm -hmm. where the where the best of the people, where the ones with the big vision, the education, the money, uh, the assets, we should be the ones in control. And there's plenty of evidence. Chomsky's talked about this a lot in his books, pointing to uh, State Department planning documents out of the U.S. in the last 50, 60, 70 years, talking about, well, it would be a great disaster if we let the people decide what happens. We need to be in control of events. But I would argue, and I think this is what most uh, uh, people, uh, constitutional lawyers in Australia would argue, is that constitutional monarchy is a form of democracy. It, it's not a pure democracy like we don't have pure freedom. Whenever people are, mm. you know, uh, when I have to go up against conspiracy theorists, uh, to, you know, anti-vaxxers and that kind of stuff talking about having the freedom to decide whether or not they get a vaccine or vaccinate their kids and how they should have freedom, we have to explain that we don't have absolute freedoms. There are limits to our freedoms. There always have been. There always will be. Uh, and mm -hmm. and this and you know I would argue that the same is true of democracy. I think you're taking a very uh, binary view on what a democracy is. The, if the people have the power to vote and that those votes have some sort of impact on power, isn't that a form of democracy? It's not a pure form of democracy, but it's a form of democracy. Well, it really depends on what you want to see as a democracy in the sense that what the argument that you're presenting is what's referred to as the historical argument of democracy, which is that a democracy is anything that is not l'ancien régime. Now, you've probably heard about that, French Revolution, mm. l'ancien régime, meaning tyranny. Okay. Now, if you go back to Joe Biden's uh, Memorial Day address, that's the binary worldview that he states. You're either in a democracy. I pay attention to that. What did he say? Okay, I'll just read it to you. Give me a second. I'll pull it up right here. Da, 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 da. So he says that thing, democracy is more than a form of government, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to cut that. So, so he says, um, it's a way of being. It's a way of seeing the world. Democracy means the rule of the people, the rule of the people. Not the rule of monarchs, not the rule of the money, not the rule of the mighty. Literally, the rule of the people, which is... The rule of the monarch is Canada, and the rule of the money is the United States. Funny. Now, let me just get to the part where we need to 
where we need to get to. So what he says is between dreams of democracy and appetites of autocracy, which we're seeing around the world. So he he posits a binary worldview, which is what liberal politicians or, or revolutionaries, the Jacobins, let's say, of revolutionary France, posited is that anything that is not l'ancien régime, anything that is not a, an absolute monarchy, is not a tyranny, is a democracy. Now that is extremely binary because we're wiping completely over the concept of oligarchy, which is what is exactly ruling our states now, which is close groups of people. Doesn't matter that they know each other. Doesn't matter that they're related. None of that has to matter. They can be people that never met each other before. It doesn't matter. But they're small groups that end up having 99.9% of the power. And we talk about elections. Well, here in Canada... You win an election not with the popular vote. Now, as a, as a lawyer in Quebec, I'm obligated because I'm going to talk about page 66 of this of this book, which is called Anatomy of a Liberal Victory. Okay. Now, as as a lawyer, I'm obligated to say every time we mention the world 66 in Quebec, we have to mention that Mario Lemieux is the greatest hockey player of all time. He wore a jersey 66. That's a state law. Um, so we find here now. That our friends, the Liberal Party of Canada. Now that was a uh, that was made up, by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> no, won really? The, yeah, won the 2000 election. Well, you know, there's some American voter listeners that are going to think that it was true. Yeah, I'm like, come on, you're um, not talking to Ray now. Come on. <laughs> told Ray that he so, believe you. They won with 40 percent of the vote, right? Now, yeah. how does that work when democracies rule the majority? I don't know. How did it work? What happened? It doesn't. That's the point. It's not, a, it's not a democracy. It's just a fucked up aristocracy, my friend. That's the whole point. Now, what, what, is, what was the, the results of the election in the United States? Donald Trump loses to Hillary Clinton in the popular vote and is elected president. Why? Because in the United States, the popular vote serves fuck all. The popular vote is an indication for the grand electors to tell them which way to vote, but they're the ones calling the shots. It's a barrier to your universal suffrage, which is once again conceding, let's say, that an election is democratic, which it is not, but let's say it is, even the results of an election in the world's leading democracy don't count. But you're only so talking ultimately the oh, outcomes don't work. All right, but you're you're focusing purely on the presidential election there that involves the electoral college. There's a lot of other elections that go on in the United States at a local and state level that, uh, mm -hmm. and, and even you know, uh, electing um, senators and Congress people, which doesn't involve uh, the electoral college. So House of Representatives, the Senate, etc. So. Uh, you know, there are, there is a form of democracy going on there. Now, I'm the first one. I wrote a fucking book about the fact that it's uh, corrupted by psychopaths uh, and, and members of the oligarchy. So I totally, I'm going to be the first person to agree with that. But it, it, there is a there is a, a level of democracy going on. People get to vote. Those votes have an impact. They have some level of power, limited though it might be. Uh, well, see, you spoke about this in the Cold War show, gerrymandering in the United States. We have kind of the same thing in Canada. It's, it, it's subtly different. Okay. Uh, yeah, inevitably, because that's the whole point, is that elections are not democratic. And the whole point is to is to have an ability to predict the outcomes. No, now, the point of I gerrymandering also, is they know that people are going to vote. They just want to manipulate <laughs> 
how they vote and who they vote for. They're 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 pulling like the said, strings and the pulling outcomes. the nods. Well, they're trying to Which manipulate is the outcomes. They're trying to manipulate the outcomes. Yeah. And where does this come from? Now, I, I told you in an email to look into this great Gilbert and Sullivan song, When I Was a Lad. Now, in that song from HMS Pinafore, our very uh, good friend who is the ruler of the Queen's Navy, uh, tells us the story of him growing up. And he grew up polishing a door at a law firm, right, which is always useful. Um, so Buddy goes and polishes the door, then becomes a clerk serving Ritz, and then he gets into the junior partnership, which is the first ship he ever saw. Now, this friend tells us that he's brought into Parliament through a pocket borough. Have you ever heard of, heard of those things? Sure, yeah. That's where the idea of gerrymandering comes from. Now, mm-hmm. a pocket borough was a neighborhood, mm-hmm. oftentimes a wealthy, posh neighborhood, where we would present somebody who, like, let's say, Winston Churchill, wouldn't be able to get elected anywhere, but mm-hmm. we absolutely want in government. Now, I'm picking on Winston. I'm sorry about that. But any individual who might not be uh, the best public speaker or the most charismatic or has any knowledge of the people where he would be in a writing, let's say, somebody we absolutely want in government. Well, we get him voted in like every other MP, but he's voted in by 50 people. The idea is what? Predict the outcomes. Why? Because in a democracy, you can't predict the outcomes. In a democracy, you don't know who's going to stand up in that assembly and is going to say something. A little example. You might have heard about this in Quebec. We've had multiple student protests. I was a student for two and a supporter for the third one. Um, During our protests, we had student democracy, which meant that we had a very large deliberative assembly of all the students from faculties, and we would discuss and debate and come to a decision, okay, on what we would do. Strike, no strike, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now, what that meant was it was very difficult for the organizers who wanted a strike to predict the outcome because somebody could stand up in the assembly, being a charismatic leader, think of a a Pericles, who could stand up in the assembly and sway the opinion, right? Now, that means that me, the wealthy, I could lose my wealth in that assembly if this charismatic hobo stands up and convinces everybody to take my cash. I don't want that. I want a space in which I can control outcomes, So I want people to vote because I can choose who votes, which is written in the American Constitution. Not everybody could vote. It's always men, a certain age, landowning, so on and so forth. And further on, and then it became universal, which is not really universal because a lot of people are disenfranchised, they don't vote. The whole point is that I want to be able to control outcomes. Why? Because I want to control power. So the whole system is catered towards controlling the outcomes of the system, which is in and of itself not democratic because the concept of democracy is that anything can happen. It can just be whatever happens, whatever people decide. So if everybody decides that now it's mandatory that everybody eats one Big Mac a day and it's state law, then there you go. And everybody eats one Big Mac a day. But if there wasn't a form of democracy in place, then they wouldn't need to go to so much effort to manipulate the democracy. You're saying on one hand we don't have a democracy, and the other hand you're saying people go to all this effort to manipulate the democracy to get the outcomes that they want. No, nope, it's I'm predicated on the idea that the people do vote and that those votes do matter at some level. 
Now, I've repeated that an election is not democratic. So I'm going on the premise that you are saying that it is. I'm saying it's not. But in the case that you're saying that it is, I'm saying that that election is manipulated in advance in a non-democratic system. So what they're working for is not to control the system. It's to make you believe that it's democratic. The system's already rigged. So I they already know that. what's going to happen. <laughs> so they're making you believe that it's democratic. That's where they're spending their money. I, I agree with that. But the people, at the end of the day, people are voting and those votes do determine outcomes. Certain outcomes. Certain outcomes. The, so that, the quantity of outcomes is limited. So that is limited democracy. People are voting. The voting determines political outcomes. That's a democracy. As I've is said, limited? voting yes. is not a is, democracy. Is <laughs> People voting for to determine the, the outcome and the, 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 the determination of power, that's not a democracy? Who chooses that what they started? vote for? Nope. Who chooses what they vote for? Who so when you what they let's vote say, for. let's take your 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 example further, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're not we're no longer voting for just people, okay? We're going to do something like in Switzerland, okay, where they say they have direct democracy, okay? So you're voting for bills, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who brings the bills forward? I don't know how it works in Switzerland. I know that in no, but certain places in the U.S., like I remember when Chrissy used to live in Seattle. They would have mm-hmm. a lot of bills that people would uh, – you'd have to get a certain number of votes for a bill to go up and then uh, a certain level of support and then the bill would be there for people to vote on the next election, Prop, Prop 82 and all that kind of stuff. So somebody cannot submit a bill. Somebody has to already do some legwork to get support. There has to be enough support behind it before it can go up as a bill, yeah. So somebody can't – all right, so somebody can't stand up in the assembly and say, hey, we should do this. If they don't have prior support, they can't stand up in the assembly and say, hey, let's do this. That's not democratic. In a democracy, anybody can stand up and say, hey, let's do this. Well, they can they stand don't, up it doesn't mean and they're say right. it. Doesn't, doesn't no, they, mean can't, that every- they can't present the bill. They can't present they can the bill. Stand up just and said say it yourself. It. They can stand up and say it. It doesn't mean that it's going to end up as a bill. No, but what I mean is I'm making an analogy between the bill and the, the assembly in Athens where people would just stand up and say things. The idea of a democracy is that you have to have a deliberative space, a place where people can discuss and can debate on stuff. In our societies, Canada, United States, Australia, we don't have space where we can debate with the politicians or with each other on the laws that are passed. They're passed within a closed chamber to which we have no access. No, that's that's because- my point. We have a representative democracy where we vote for people and then we send them to go and debate on our behalf. Right. We vote for people. Hmm. We Who chooses those people? Political parties? I was in the process mm-hmm. of that. So it's mm-hmm. a political party that chooses that. So it's already elitist. So it's already non-democratic. Not anybody just stands but up to po- be a candidate. The, but the political parties are formed by people. People are members of the political parties. The members of the political parties, in theory, determine who the candidates are going to be. Anybody can join a political party, again, in theory. All right. So let's challenge so that le- theory. There are, there are levels of abstraction there, but it's still the people at the end of the day that, that want to be involved in the process that are determining the process. 
actually, it's, I think it's levels of denial, but let's look at the process. When I was uh, in the Liberal Party of Canada, just before, I, I'm 36 now, and in my, my 30s, when I was 30, when I turned 30, I decided that um, it was Justin Trudeau's first election, so this is 2014, 2015, okay? And uh, Justin trying to build his uh, team of candidates throughout the country. Uh, said we're going to have open what we call open investitures. Okay, now an investiture is to have it, it, it's a it's a campaign to become the candidate in the election campaign. Okay, so we're supposed to have open investitures. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in. I've been a member of this party since I'm 16, and uh, I like to think of myself as smart, or at least a smart idiot. And uh, I think I'm relatively literate, like I can read. Um, so. And I've read like a book. So I'm like, okay, I could, I could be a good person to do this thing, right? So I go into the thing and we get support and blah, blah, blah. And out of nowhere comes one of the profs from my alma mater, who's an economics teacher, who uh, starts sending letters out to the party member saying he's chosen by Justin. Now, our friend Justin just said that we had open investitures and he wasn't going to step in. Now we have this candidate who's presenting himself as a star candidate who's saying, I have the support of the big chief. Now that skews the whole process. That makes that the whole process, the whole so-called democratic process of which you're alluding to is no longer applicable. There's somebody who's putting a huge hand on the scale and is tipping it one way. Furthermore, we lost by 20 votes. When I say we, I mean me and my team because it was a team effort. So we lost by 20 votes against this so-called star candidate who is now a minister and blah, blah, blah. And nice guy. I'm not going to say he's a bad person. Not at all. He's a very nice guy. Uh, and I'm sure he's doing a good job. But the point is that the process, which was supposed to be free and democratic, was exactly like our elections. There's people putting their hands on the scales. So I'm going to reiterate this. Elections are not democratic. Second of all, even if they were democratic, which they're not, they're highly influenced, which means that the fact that they're, they're the, the, how should I say this? The democratic level to which they can attain is limited by the influence and the impact of other forces, mainly people who have money who compromise the ruling elite. Yeah, but I think we're going around and in circles here. We're, we're not because we're talking about elections and elections are not democratic. But let me do another segue to what Chomsky says with you the journalists. Wait, 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 You keep saying that, stating it like it's uh, a fact, but I, I'm still not following. So we have elections. People vote in those elections. They're voting... Determines certain an outcome. people vote. Okay. Certain people vote. Their votes determine the outcome. But you're saying that's not democratic because there are these these the, the, the process is being manipulated. Not only is the process being manipulated, the process is fundamentally anti-democratic if you define democracy as being the rule of the majority. Because as I stated from this book, but I also have the results of the Canadian and Quebec recent elections, nobody won with a majority in any riding. It's all 20%, 30%. That means that 80 to 70%, the majority voted against the candidate. So if, major if democracy means majority rule, then these results are anti-democratic. Well, I don't think 
democracy means majority rule. Well, it means you said the, democracy the people means have the power. It's, you said democracy means majority rule in an anti-vax 4.5 at 22 minutes to 22 minutes, 23 seconds. So I don't want to be a dick here, but hey, somebody use, did their homework and somebody's freewheeling it. Yeah, well, you know. Don't so in the court of law, me. facts and proof stand up to hearsay. Now, what, what I mean by that, Cam, is because, you know, ultimately you and I are very kindred spirits. We think a lot alike, which is why I've listened to all your shows, which is why I support you guys. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. But I think that this thing on democracy, like I said earlier, is one of Barry, it is Barry and Stan's best work. It is Barry and Stan's best work, rebranding of oligarchies into democracies. It's magnificent switch. And if you want me to get factual, if you don't mind, I sent you a PDF by a prof here of uh, of a university who's uh, a pretty interesting democracy scholar. Um, The word democracy or democrat in the United States until 1840 was prescribed. Everything, everybody hated it. If you're a democrat, you're a loser. Much like you might remember our friends, the Gracchi brothers from the Roman Republic, who were also branded as Democrats and were assassinated by the elite. Now, who changed that? Our buddy, old Hickory, Andrew Jackson, who was technically the first populist. He said he was a Democrat. He said he was going to fight against the elite, the ruling elite for the people. Hmm? Now, why would a man running for president of the United States say that he's going to fight against the ruling elite for the people? Why would he say that? If we're in a democracy, the people would be ruling. So why is he fighting against the ruling elite? Logically makes no sense. But our good friend, old Hickory, war veteran, a general and a hero, he went about and said, hey, look, I'm a Democrat. This is a democracy, blah, blah, blah. And it hit. It struck like a wildfire. And every politician afterwards in the United States associated themselves with democracy. There was even a party that was founded called the Democrats. Because that word, and I'm, this is a thing that I, I wanted to open with, but I forgot to mention. I think democracy is the most powerful world in the Western world. More powerful than God, Jesus, whatever you want. It's the most powerful word. It's more powerful than freedom. And that word has been suborned has been redefined, rebranded to mean anything that is good, that is us, that is the West. Look, I think, again, I think we're sort of on the same page with a lot of this. I think our terminology is uh, getting in the way. Like I, I'm the first person to agree that our our system of government in the West is heavily, very heavily influenced and determined by the elite, by the oligarchy, um, as you would expect. Uh, there, I guess that was sort of the premise of the psychopath book is that uh, people with wealth and power are going to do everything that they can to protect their wealth and power. And that includes suborning whatever political system, be it a democratic or, or, or otherwise, be it in a capitalist society or a socialist society. Um, and so we're, we're not disagreeing on that. Um, I, I think what the only thing we're disagreeing about is whether or not you can call what we have a, a 
maligned form of democracy or not. I also agree with you that there's a huge amount of money and effort spent on propaganda making us believe we live in a democracy, making us believe we are have some element of control because, as you said, if people didn't believe that, they would uh, be disenfranchised. They would feel more disenfranchised and they, 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 they might uh, rebel. So there's a lot of effort spent to keep the masses at bay so they don't pick up their pitchforks and their torches. Um, it's, cir- it's bread and circuses too is a large part of it, right? Um, a lot of yeah, and there was, bread and circuses. You might have heard uh, of um, a French um, videographer who became a kind of political theorist called Guy Debord. And he wrote, uh, his master thesis is uh, La Société du Spectacle, so the Society of Spectacle. And in that he is, he's a, he's a, 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 I don't like to use the word communist because I don't, I don't think that's really what he was, but he was a, a left wing, let's say, thinker and a socialist thinker. That's a better way to say it. And he explained that he, he was analyzing um, the transition between uh, fascist Italy, uh, Nazi Germany and um, post World War II Western democracies, let's say. Okay, let's call them democracies just for the sake of this discussion. And what he was explaining was that in um, with the, with the side of spectacle is that in Nazi Germany in, in particular, you had you know those late night bonfires where people would like walk to like the bonfire and then they would hear Hitler speak or some other guy. This whole thing, and you see these massive crowds of people, right? But then when they go back home, they're all spying on each other, and they're all you know trying to find out who's a Jew and the whole thing. And what he was saying was that. Ultimately, because Hitler was supposedly democratically elected. Um, so what he was saying is that the thing is ultimately in, a, in these kind of oligarchic regimes, what you need to do is you need to separate, cellulize the individual. Okay, So what you need is to compartmentalize every individual so that they don't band together, so that they don't build something together. That way they can't resist the charismatic or the autocratic leader. Okay, well, you see a lot of that in our politics in Canada or in the United States. You see a lot of that work to try to to polarize people, to try to divide people, to try to create ground where people can't meet. That's anti-democratic behavior. We've had in Canada, we've had, obviously, as the world has had a pandemic. And during that pandemic, we've had multiple journalists come out and say, it's not time for an election. We can't have an election during a pandemic. And yet we have governments that are spending money. In Quebec, we have a government that's been ruling by decree for a year, which is fundamentally anti-democratic. And it's against the basic principles of our so-called democracy. And yet we're told that we we can't have an election now. It's not the right time. We have to let these people continue their dictatorship. So very much like my buddy Sulla, we've given these people dictatorial powers, right, for a short period of time, and now we can't challenge it. Well, that's not democratic. So ultimately, I keep going back to my fact that there's a lot of denialism because, as I said earlier, no one or most people could not accept that we do not live in a democracy. We've been told our whole lives that we live in that. Let me let me flip this around for a second. So go ahead. If we had a democracy by your definition, what would that look like? It's very hard to say. 
And this is where our ideas come together in the sense that I agree with you that there's not one form of democracy, right? So we can look to the past and see Athens as one. We've, like I explained to you, we had uh, a form of democracy with our student protest movement. African tribes, First Nations here in Canada had, had democratic systems. Ultimately, what it means is that the final authority resides in the hands of the people. The people can... The people can choose the rules of the game. That's what a democracy looks like. Meaning that when you think about the American Constitution, it was written and decided by a group of guys in a room, right? So they say, we the people, but the people were never there. So the ultimately- tax what, dodgers. We, yes. we the original tax dodgers, yeah. Yes, we the original better than you people. Um, so- Ultimately, what a democracy would look like is that the people would decide the rule of the games. If they if they decide, let's say the people would decide that the way that we choose our laws, let's say, is beanbag tossing. And go for it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Plato said it was by lots. It doesn't matter. And that theory of lots, by the way, in political science is coming back, uh, coming back for the progressive uh, and, and left thinkers. The fact that our government should actually be, we should, you know, scrap elections and just have people elected by lots. And taking that to go back to where there's democratic elements in the United States of America. Well, there's one place in particular where the United States of America is extremely democratic. And I'm going to let you guess what it is. One place in the United States. Well, one institution, one institution. That is extremely democratic. And I said lots. Lots democratic. Yeah, no idea. What is it? Jury duty. Right. Which is which is a redeeming quality of the American Republic in terms of democracy. It's highly democratic, as Plato told us. Democracies would people would choose their leaders or whatever by lots. I think that's a very important aspect. So it's something that you can look at for an idea of democracy. Now I'm not here to tell you what a democracy is like and. It's fun because I was listening to Bullshit Filter and you were talking about the Panama Papers. And we in Quebec have a a really great intellectual who wrote this book here about Canada's participation in the Paradise Papers. Okay. And in this, there's a, it starts with a great quote and I'll read it here. Si nul ne sait ce qu'est vraiment la démocratie, en revanche, beaucoup savent ce qu'elle n'est pas. So if no one knows what a democracy is, a lot of people know what it's not. And ultimately, that's the fact. Democracy is not one thing. It's a form of government. What that form takes, you can define it. And that's where we agree. That said, to have a democracy, you need basic principles. And the first one is that the people have to wield national sovereignty, or, or I would prefer to say state sovereignty, which is not something that is done either in Canada or in the United States. Okay. So that's so we, the we, basic, basic principle. So Canada and Australia would need to get rid of our constitutional monarchy. We yep. did have a conve- we did have a convention here about 20 years ago to mm-hmm. vote on becoming a republic and mm-hmm. the vote itself got manipulated by our conservative government, the Howard government in, at the time. A lot of fear-mongering, a lot of uh, oh if we change things, you know, who knows where it could all end up. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> You know, you don't want- <laughs> love that <laughs> argument. Love that <laughs> argument. Uh, and it worked. And so we ha- we don't have one here. And uh, there was a big movement behind it. I-, I think it was generally had a lot of support. But, he, you know, he targeted elderly Australians. And, you know, if we get rid of the Queen, the next thing, 
you know, people will be having sex with dogs and uh, lesbians will be taking over things and uh, God Wait, is this Virginia or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's be, end up like Virginia, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'd need to get rid of a constitutional monarchy to start with. Then uh, we still wouldn't have a monarch, uh, sorry, a democracy because we would still have the uh, wealthy uh, elite manipulating the political system. So then we would have to, what, kill all the rich? Is that what we would need I to would do? I would not never advocate the death of a human being. That is not something that is So is, what would we do? Just take do. away take away all no, of the, No, I don't you think know, it's a question of money. Of it has nothing really. Wealth? No, it has it nothing does. really to we, do with money. Yeah, but let me get We've let agreed that the, the, well, the wealthy and the powerful will always mm-hmm. try and manipulate any system of government. To their own advantage, so makes a hundred percent sense for their position. Why wouldn't they? Exactly. So uh, they would continue to do what they do today, which is manipulate the. Uh, I don't know what else, what other word to use it. I'm going to say the democratic process. Um, sure. People, people voting for to mm-hmm. determine political outcomes and, and and laws and that kind of stuff. So, how do you avoid that in a democracy? So one of the basic ways we'll go back to Plato is lots. Now, I don't know. I don't know much about Austrian politics. I'll be really honest with you. I have no idea what's the quality of your leadership. Okay, I don't know who presents themselves. So, would you say that it's lower than the average Australian? The quality Uh, of leadership of leadership. No, <laughs> I think the average Australian's pretty, pretty low quality. Yeah, in terms of leadership, like political leadership, they wouldn't be interested in the job. They wouldn't do a good job at it. No, if they were Australia- put in a leadership position. No, I don't think so. And you know, Australia. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but Australians generally um, are anti-politician. General. Um, vibe in Australia is we think all politicians are idiots, all politicians are corrupt. The very fact that somebody goes into politics proves that they're a corrupt uh, scumbag, basically, is our general view on politicians. I think most Australians would vomit if you said that they had to become a politician. Which is probably a very good starting point because the people that want to do it, and this is where we're going to get back to our friend Chomsky, and you talked about this recently on the uh, propaganda model episode of the bullshit filter. The fact that the people that are in journalism are have the jobs in journalism because they toe the line. Hmm. Well, same thing for politicians, right? So they're there when they go through the party screening process. They're there because they have toe the line. I know because I did it. And I was asked what my positions were. And I was challenged on my positions to make sure that I towed the party line. I was challenged on my... Um, how should I say this? My judicial uh, history. Did I had I been to you know had I been arrested so on and so forth? What is my financial score? What is what is my score? What is my credit score? So uh, you know, and uh, what are my associations? So on and so forth. So you're already filtered out. So obviously that's already elitist. So it's not democratic. Um, but so the point is that you have a bunch of people right now that are running for office, which are are and and I haven't read your. Um, psychopath epidemic yet I'm sorry about that but I'm going to get to it Um, but the point is that I think that I agree with you in the sense that the people that are there and this is kind of what Chomsky said too is that the people that are there are the people that want to be there so in politics what you have is you have people that are extremely beige vanilla 
okay, vainglorious and superficial. Now, those people, I would, I would, I mean, I'm going to suggest it because I was in that gang. I know who they are. I would suggest that those people are not better than the average Canadian. Okay? Based on that, if we had in democracy lots, so it's totally random who ends up in whatever position, we would have basically the same outcome as now or better. So the worst that it could be is the same. The worst that it could be is the same. And the best that it could be is better, right? So that's one form. That's one form. Like I said, it can take on many forms, which is where our points do converge, that a democracy is not one thing, okay? It can be many things, but you have to have the basic the basic principles. So that, that could be one like, way of having it. That sounds like you're suggesting something similar to anarcho-syndicalism, where we have just uh, small communities that elect uh, temporary leadership to represent that community at a uh, national convention of uh, uh, talking heads and to vote on things, et cetera, et cetera. It's, again, well, you could also democracy, but it's closer, closer to it. You, you could also use something very different, which is what we use when we had our student protests, which is what we call an executive mandate, which we saw a bit of that in the early uh, French Revolution, and then it, and they took it away because it was, it was too much of a, an administrative hassle. But the idea is that an assembly, let's say a city, okay? Let's, let's break it down to something tangible so we can have grounds, tangible grounds on which to discuss. So let's say each city has to elect five people to speak for it, okay? So one guy speaks about food, one girl speaks about the economy, another girl speaks about the environment, another person speaks about access, okay? So, you know, transport, uh, whatever. And then we have the last person who talks about education, okay? Let's say that's it. So the whole city gets together, and we could do it now with, you know, Facebook Live type thing, whatever. And so we all get together and we chat, blah, blah, blah. What are the issues that are important to us? Da, da, da. We chat, we chat, we chat. And by chatting, a consensus arrives, right? Because people start talking and they hear somebody mention, let's say, I don't know, clean water. And like, hey, well, sounds pretty good to me. And I want some fluoride in that clean water and blah, blah, blah. And it builds up, okay? So something builds up. So consensus get driven. So let's say we have one about clean water and fluoride in water. Let's say it's this. So then we go and see the, we go and we decide as an assembly that we have to send somebody to talk about the environment, right? We said that we have five people and the environment was one of those subjects. So what we do is we say, well, look, we're going to elect Jim, Okay, Ray's little brother, who's six foot three. Um, so we're going to send Jim, okay? And Jim is going to talk to whatever next level about the fact that we want clean water and we want fluoride in our water. Now, we send Jim to talk about that and only that, okay? It's an executive mandate. Now, what's interesting with the concept of mandate is that in our political reality in Canada, we used to talk about our politicians getting elected with a mandate. A mandate is a legal concept where you're authorized by somebody to accomplish something in their name, okay? Accomplish a specific task. It can be a general mandate, but it's usually a specific task, okay? We don't hear politicians being elected and having mandates anymore. That's done. That's out, Okay, so their link to the people is dead. Now, in my, or at least is is a bis, um, is taken out of the media landscape. So my point is, you go back to the executive mandate. So you send Jim, and you say to Jim, "Well, you are going there to talk about this one thing," and then the whole bunch of Jims get together and they talk about these issues, and then they decide to go back to their assembly and say, "Look, this is what we talked about. This is what we're doing. What are we doing?" 
Well, we're going to send Tim to make the decision. Tim has a decision to make and he's going back to the assembly and this is the decision that he's going to make for us. Now, Tim the problem with that Jim. is that it's burdensome. Yeah, it's a new guy. Right. Meaning so hold on, that Jim doesn't what, what have are, to be renewed. What are the billionaires uh, whispering in Jim and Tim's ear during this entire process? That's the that's the question. So how are they going to be taken into the system? How, no, but seriously, seriously, between us, we're having a discussion here. How of course, are they, because how are we the, taking them into the discussion? Well, they're they're always going to be using their influence to determine the outcome that they want of this entire process. Right. So, going back to our legal concept of a mandate, if you don't accomplish your mandate and you don't do what's stated in the mandate, then the actions that you make are not legally binding. And there's right. where your billionaire's whispers go out the window. So the then, the, is, then the billionaires run an advertising campaign to convince the people that are determining what Jim's mandate is to pick their mandate. And Barry and Stan <laughs> come in and they do a whole bunch of fear-mongering and uh, then they start character assassinating Jim. Really, is Jim the guy that you want representing you? Have you... Uh, had a look at how dirty his fingernails are. And by the way, mm -hmm. here's his ex-girlfriend and she has some pretty harsh things to say about his abilities as a lovemaker. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we're back to where we are now. No, because you're, you're, you're presenting it as if Jim was running an election, whereas Jim is not running an election. Jim is just nominated ad hoc by the assembly to go and represent it. He's not running an election. The, the billionaires. No, I, the billionaires get come in, in on Jim. Get in on Jim. Get in on the people about who are telling Jim what you know what our mandate is, what to say. They're gonna they're gonna do whatever they can to influence the outcome of this process. Inevitably, I'm just worried about the utopian do. the utopian view of how this is going to work. No, the reality is that anybody's going to do whatever they can to influence any system. So that is inevitable. So ultimately, you have to accept that as part of the process. That's going to happen, okay? okay and it's not so just billionaires. But then we're, we're back to back where to we start. We, we, don't, we don't have pure democracy. We have a manipulated, limited form of democracy. Well, there's a difference, fundamental difference, and it's a legal one. Who finally makes the last decision? Because we only started with the process. We haven't finished it. Now, we said that Jim or Tim or whichever M you want is going up to talk to a group and coming back to the smaller group with what they talked about and saying, what are we going to do with this decision, right? Yeah. Now, we have to go back and we have to make a decision, right? So we right. send them back and there's a decision that's made. So they talk about it and they're like, okay, well, you know, uh, the majority of us, of, of M's, have a mandate to do X, Okay. So we come back to the assembly. Hey, so the majority of us have a mandate to do X. All right. So then we put that to the people. We put X to the people. Do you want X? Right. Majority of our assemblies, a majority of our assemblies decided that they wanted X. Do a majority of the people want X? And you are putting barriers into the influence. Obviously, you will have. You will have people that will run campaigns of so on and so forth. And then you get into the legalese of how you protect your democracy. 
Okay, mm. but the reality is that how can you keep? How can we have people in the Western world keep saying that our democracy is a sham? We don't have democracy. Referencing a certain Cameron Riley on a, a show called The Bullshit Filter, who said we didn't have a democracy, and we keep going back to these concepts, and yet, and yet, we're having this discussion where I'm told, yeah, but we live in a democracy. It doesn't make sense. The outcomes don't justify the system. So. Instead of saying we live in a democracy, let's look at what we have. We don't have a democracy. We have an oligarchy. That's fine. Okay, fair enough. It's not great, but it gives us certain advantages. I mean, you have universal health care in Australia. We have it in Canada too. My mother battled cancer for nine years. Would have made my family bankrupt if it wasn't for that. So there's some nice things. Okay, it's not completely horrible. But when you're thinking about your own agency and your own ability to impact your life in the political process, you don't have a lot of power. So you could have a system that's different, but it would never be perfect. It would never, ever, ever be perfect. And that's the myth that people have to get out of their minds. That it doesn't matter what political system of government or whatever you want. There are, there are no fairy tales. Nobody walks on water. I don't care what the Bible says. That doesn't work. Nobody flies. If I poke my eye out with this pen right now, it will not come back. So that's reality, and we have to accept that part. There's, there's a harshness to it. There's a roughness to it. And it's not because you're in a democracy, this all-powerful word, that you're going to be in a perfect political system. It's never going to happen. All right. Well, I think we've, uh, we've, we've, we've done a bunch. Oh, shit, my magnets are coming alive. I think we've done a bunch there, Hugo. Um, what do you think, listeners? Uh, did Hugo make a convincing argument or is he just talking a whole bunch of words and uh, <laughs> hoping hoping that if he says them fast enough and confidently enough, uh, we'll all agree with him? I, I still think we're pretty much saying the same thing. I think that uh, we're just we're, we're haggling over so wait, minor things here. You're saying you agree with me. Which means that the debate has been won by me, which means I'm that we don't live that, in a democracy. I'm saying that no, I'm saying that you agree with me. Um oh, that interesting. We, uh, yeah. That we um we do have a, a form of what I think most people would call a democracy. People vote, those votes determine income uh, outcomes and incomes. Um but it, it is um incredibly flawed and limited it is run by uh, at the end of the day a group of oligarchs and their propaganda and the 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 ways that they try and manipulate the democracy um but uh yeah i think that's what we've basically agreed on now you say well so that a political by definition system. is not a democracy but i think most but well, my guess is most people Listening to this will disagree with you. They'll say, "Well, no, it is a form of democracy. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, corrupted." But you know what's fun about opinion? None of that is democratic. So I don't really care what other people say. But that being said, I still don't see where um, your argument to prove that we live in a democracy has come in because you talk about outcomes, but we've we've talked and you've uh, you've talked a lot more than me because i don't have a podcast about the fact that some of the outcomes that we have in our societies are against public opinion or against the public will so i would debate it's the corrupted. concept that we have it's, no it's we corrupted have it's manipulated that's that's what i mean by the fact but that see, it's corrupted it's manipulated I, 
I understand. I understand. I'm positing a level deeper that it's not corrupted. It's just not what you think Look, you, it is. It's it's like it's basically you're saying cappuccino is not a form is not coffee because it's got chocolate on top. And and and, and I would you know agree with you. It's it's a it's a girl's coffee. <laughs> I'm going to get called sexist again. It's yeah. a it's a it's it's a European coffee. All my Italian friends drink uh, cappuccinos. It's like it's terrible, but it, yes, at the end of the day, it's a form of coffee. Is it a good form of coffee? No, it's a terrible way to drink your coffee. Just drink it black, and if you have to have a flat white or a cafe latte. But it, you know, it's it's is it as bad as an americano? No, but it's still not. A really good form of coffee. I think that's what we're saying here. I'm going to nuance what You're you just said about the coffee. You're saying it's got to be an espresso. It's got to be a double shot espresso, no sugar. You got to take it like a man. And I'm saying, well, you know, I think that's a bit harsh. Actually, I think you're saying that a warm cup of water is coffee. And I'm saying that for something to be coffee, there has to be coffee in it. Now, after that, if you voting. want to define people it. People are voting. The people yeah, the, are voting in as a form of taking power in their society. No, that, by as definition form, to me, is a form of democracy. As a form of orchestrating something that looks like the people participating in power. Nuance. Yeah, look, and, and again, I agree with you that it's mostly a sham. Thank you. So when we don't the, live in a democracy. Thank you very particularly, much. <laughs> particularly... You don't win an argument just by this isn't a courtroom where you you can win an argument just by doing uh, got, gotchas. You don't win with me with gotchas, Hugo. I'm just having uh, fun here. I know, I know, but it, I'm it, rallying you up there. Liam Liam tried the same thing, and it just doesn't work. Um, the 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 I, we agree that it's mostly uh, an illusion. It's a highly orchestrated illusion. Because the elite are never going to give people power. Because, again, this is, you know, again, the, 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 one of the main themes of my book is uh, if, if the elite let the people determine, you know, how things run, then the, their fear is that people will come and take all their money and power away, which they don't want to let happen. So, yes, they've got to. We agree to, on that. They've got to make people feel like they're in control whilst at the same time limiting the amount of control they have as much as possible. So, so we agree on that. So this is what I'm saying. We're agreeing on how things work. You're just saying that's not even a form of democracy. I'm saying, well, I think it is a form of democracy. It's right. just a highly corrupted, limited form. Sure. And, I think that's and where I we think got that- to. Yeah, and I think, and I think that's what we the the kind of exchange that we had in our in our emails. And I have to say, I respect your point of view because I used to have that point of view. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while, but I I I, w- I thought like you did um, for a long time, which is why I involved myself in the democratic process. But I haven't voted since 2015, and I don't feel any more or Can less in democracy. In yeah. What happens if you don't Not vote? A, you get a fine. Nothing. Fine. Really? What are you talking about? What are you talking here about? You get a, in democracy. Here, Who cares what I have to say? Here you Who get cares? a fine if you don't vote. Not, I'm excluded from jury duty as a lawyer, so we're not. I don't even have to like. I don't have to exist for the government unless I, until I pay my taxes. So none of that stuff. So, anyways, I think that we we do agree on a lot of things because I think we think alike on a lot of concepts. I just think that there's a little nuance. 
that I, I have that you don't agree with, which is fair enough, because ultimately we agree with the fact that we have a problem, which is that we don't have enough agency in our societies. I'll set up a poll on the blog post for this on the bullshitfilter.com. Uh, go and vote. Do you, uh, did Hugo uh, make a convincing argument or not? Let's see. Uh, I'll be voting for that. I can tell you that. <laughs> and I'll be voting multiple times. I'm stuffing that ballot box. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and having a great, great chat, Hugo. I appreciate it. It's good. I like, I Thank like being you. challenged by uh, smart folks. It's uh, you know different from talking to Ray every week. I got to say. Well, I don't know the which smart person challenged you, but uh, I was really happy to be on. Thank you for having me. It's a great honor. Um, and a long-time listener, first-time caller, I guess. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Cam. Cheers. It means a lot. Take care. Shit. <laughs>